0: Folks, there's something deeply, deeply wrong with the economy, and the government has been faking stats to cover it up. That's putting it simply, the way the professional news gatherers describe it, it was an adjustment. That's right, an overstatement of 439,000 jobs in 2023, which was quietly adjusted with no announcement to the media by the Bureau of Labor Statistics in November. Bottom line, between January and November, about 40,000 of the jobs every month you told were created weren't. They weren't real. That doesn't make any sense. Look, our government adjusts employment reports up and down all the time, but that's the important part, up and down. They Usually they'll do 5,000 here, 20,000 there, not 40,000 a month. And it only goes one way, one way that makes Joe Biden's failing economy look better. And former Trump advisor Larry Kedlow, who has a show on Fox Business, says there are more adjustments coming and he thinks the number of fake jobs will grow from 2023.
2: 20 percent, 20 percent of the jobs growth in 2023 last year has now been revised out 443 thousand jobs my guess is more is coming when the so-called benchmark revisions come
0: but there's something else going on here at a historic level white collar full-time jobs are disappearing there was a virtual jobs hemorrhage in december that was almost totally unprecedented in u.s economic history the only bigger jobs hemorrhage was in 2020 After Anthony Fauci launched his fake and we now know completely unneeded lockdowns. That's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I'll attach a link for you to see. You should look at the chart. It's unbelievable. 1.5 million full-time jobs wiped away in December. The only thing that comes close to it is 1994, but that was more of an accounting adjustment, not an actual loss of jobs. This was a loss of jobs during a month when hiring usually scales up, not down. So why isn't this jobs hemorrhage showing more? Well, it would be if we didn't keep adding part-time jobs. Laura Ingram, I'll attach this to, I screenshotted a Chiron from her show. It's called Numbers Behind Bidenomics Don't Add Up. It shows, and she's using another measure, 1.2 million full-time jobs, wiped away since June, just gone. But 769,000 part-time jobs created. See, the way our government does this, if you bus tables for nine bucks an hour part-time, those jobs turn over a lot. So suppose your friend down the street tells you, hey, you can make two bucks more an hour doing it over here. You quit your part-time job and you go down the street And you take another part-time job bussing tables there instead. Guess what? The government counts that as a part-time job created. In fact, it goes into the jobs created total. So that father of three who just lost his white-collar full-time job, yeah, that gets covered up by the creation of another waiting tables, bussing tables, part-time job. That's the problem with these overall job numbers. And that's how the media is able to gloss this over. But former Trump advisor Larry Kudlow, not fooled. Kudlow chose to use a different figure household employment, the full time kind. It's still devastating.
2: Household employment in December fell by 700,000. That's mostly small businesses. And we didn't get those jobs in the first place. And yeah. the economy is not as strong.
0: What do these employers know? Well, they know their own industry. They know their own orders and they're firing people in mass. Interesting thing that happened today too, the CEO of JP Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon came out and forecasted a recession for this year. And maybe that's what these employers are reacting to. Maybe they're seeing signs of that. What was interesting though about him saying that he forecasted a recession was he was contradicting his own forecasting unit which predicted, yes, a slowdown this year, but not a full-blown recession. Diamond says, yes, we're going into a recession. Whatever the case, what makes it so scary is we don't know what we're going into because the Biden administration keeps doing these wild adjustments. Bottom line, they're lying all year long and then quietly adjusting. And they've done it before. Rewind to December of 2022. When the St. Louis Fed took a look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics numbers, the Bureau had claimed in just three months that America had created a million jobs. Turns out, 990,000 of them were fake, not real, or never existed. The actual number was 10,000. That would have been a jobs massacre. That would have matched the short-term slowdown where we dipped into negative growth. The bottom line, and I'll put the link for that too, Um, in the podcast sources but the bottom line is the Biden administration will flat out lie about job creation honestly I don't even know how foreigners can invest in America anymore because our government used to be you know trustworthy with these stats now we're more like China we just make stuff up in fact that was the key line in an article in the New York Post I'll put this link up too And it said this, there's something wrong with previous U.S. job reports. And they talk about the fake 49,000 jobs and the adjustment, right? Well, they quote David Rosenberg, founder of Rosenberg Research Associates, who says time to stop trading off the payroll data. He tweeted it. Why? Because what he's saying is you can't trust U.S. government numbers anymore. The New York Post reported by Rosenberg's calculation, He says the downward revision in Epic 443,000 represents, get this, more than 40% of payroll growth in 2023. Bottom line, folks, you can't believe the top line economic news. You have to be prepared for bad economic times. You cannot believe the mainstream media because as long as a Democrat is in office, they will lie to you about it. You won't know until it hits you square between the eyes.
2: Household employment in December fell by 700,000. That's mostly small businesses, and we didn't get those jobs in the first place, and the economy is not as strong.
0: But while we're on the fakest of fake news today, this was one of the fakiest things I've seen in a long time. And it took a lot of audacity to run the headlines that the mainstream media has been running about Trump. If you only read the headlines or even the first half of most of these pieces, you learn something shocking. An Epstein victim by the name of Sarah Ransom says that she has tapes, recordings even, of Donald Trump having sex with Epstein women. And she says she's got a good friend who had a lot of sex with Donald Trump via Epstein. The gist was that Epstein victim, Sarah Ransom, had Epstein-related sex tapes involving half a dozen people, including Trump, Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, Sir Richard Branson, and more. The media pretended that this was all new information, and it was part of the new release on Friday from this 2016 case. Um, where all the depositions were being released. But it wasn't new. It started actually about eight years ago and the whole story's been prominently featured and debunked in the pages of The New Yorker and The New York Post. Here's what actually happened. In 2016, Ransom went to a reporter at The New York Post, said she had the tapes, and told all kinds of stories about Trump's sexual proclivities. Anyway, So it's 2016 and Sarah Ransom sends this email to this then New York Post reporter saying Trump had sex with, quote, many girls, uh, where she also claimed that Jeffrey Epstein had tapes of Trump, Richard Branson, Prince Andrew, Bill Clinton and more. Okay, so this should all come out in the media. The media who reported this now, though, acts like it's all new and it's been discovered suddenly in these newly released documents from Friday. It wasn't back after the initial email. The New York Post and others demanded the tapes. She never did produce them and she retracted all her claims, telling the New York Post reporter, a woman by the name of Callahan, that she wanted to, quote, walk away from this, unquote, citing fears for her family. Quote, ransom walked back the salacious allegations in an October 23, 2016 email. That's how old this is. Uh, With a Post columnist writing, I would like to retract everything I have said to you and walk away from this. Um, And she said that she did it to make Epstein think that she had the tapes, but that she didn't actually have the tapes. There's actually a Vanity Fair investigative reporter by the name of Wick, Vicki Ward who took to Twitter uh, yesterday uh, to say, look, the, these headlines they are salacious, but they were all published by media outlets using old and retracted news from four to eight years ago. Um, she said, quote, very importantly, Sarah Ransom has since said this isn't true. That she invented the sex tapes because she was so terrified of Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell at the time. Look, I'm not going to predict whether or not there's going to be some more salacious details about Trump that are new. I don't know, but these are totally discredited. Uh, And yet, if you only read the headlines or even the first half of a lot of these stories, you would think Trump's just been cold busted. Here's why these headlines and stories are being written this way. These media outlets know that their headlines and their stories are going to be recycled after the primary against Trump, and they're going to show you headline after headline about Trump, sex, underage girls, Epstein victim, email, uh, and they can their their headlines will be absolutely devastating, devastating enough. To fool people paying attention during the general election who will never go to the source material and realize, oh, she recanted the whole thing. By the way, Ransom also never said the girls involved were underage and in some places refers to them as women. Um, Before again, retracting the entire story. Look, all I know is this is old. It's debunked. And it's fundamentally dishonest to the media to spin it as if it's new. Speaking of going broke, Republican voters looking forward to like a you know, rematch from 2020, expecting fireworks or even some kind of a campaign from the Republicans should adjust their expectations. I've been warning about this for a while. Headline Newsweek. And they're right about this. Multiple state Republican parties are going broke. And it's not just the random states. It's that they're key swing states. are essentially bankrupt right now. Michigan just threw out its Trump-supporting party chair, and they're in the middle of a a brawl that has to do with different camps supporting different candidates. It's a total mess. But the bottom line is they're broke which means there's not really going to be a statewide get out the vote effort in this most critical election of all time in Arizona and Michigan. It appears the Minnesota Republican Party is broke, too, with more than three hundred thirty five thousand dollars in debt and just fifty three bucks in the bank account. Now. Normally, this wouldn't be the end of the world. The RNC, Republican National Committee, would come in with a ground game. They're not going to have one. They're basically broke, too. Donors, after watching years of lackluster to disastrous performances, quite frankly, in races we should have won 2020, 2022, and 2023, have closed their checkbooks, snapped them shut, Tarana Romney McDaniel, who I really wish Trump hadn't backed for RNC chair at this time. The woman is a disaster. It also didn't help that we've just had a new rash of stories that while the RNC teeters on the verge of bankruptcy, I'll explain that in a minute, she's spending money on everything from dry cleaning to plastic surgery, hair blow dries that she does before she goes on Fox News, limos, jets. It, it's It's a disaster. And you can maybe get away with that kind of frivolous spending if you're winning. Rana isn't winning. In fact, the Democrats were able to retake the Senate on her watch after the disastrous inflation. Here's how bad things are. In November, we should be swollen with cash going into an election year. But the RNC had just $9 million cash on hand. Rewind to 2021, which wasn't even. Heading into a major election year, they had 65 million on hand. 2020, 58 million on hand. 2019, 63 million on hand. See the problem there? 2023, just 9 million on hand. The problem is, by the time that the RNC plays for the Republican convention, they'll essentially be broke, which means there's no money for a national campaign. Even worse, The Democrats have taken over $20 million, gone through the swing states, and registered more than 100,000 new voters. If they can turn them out, they won't even need to cheat. There's nothing close to a comparable effort by the RNC, the Republican Party, and I'm sorry to say the Trump campaign. And that's the other problem. Donald Trump's campaign funds, and I think this is a Democrat tactic, they are largely being used to pay his legal bills. Reuters actually does a really good job of reporting it. In this article, I'll attach it. Trump's campaign machine is bleeding cash for legal expenses. That's because he's paying the legal bills of a lot of the witnesses and co-defendants who otherwise might be incentivized to testify against him if they had to pay their own legal bills. How big is the bill? Reuters reports that Trump's defense in the four criminal prosecutions will likely cost over $50 million, more than all the money raised in the first half of this year by Trump's campaign and its top allied super PAC, Make America Great Again. Trump has been getting around this by using millions of the dollars he raised for his campaign for legal expenses, while Ronna Romney McDaniel foots the bill for some of his rallies. The problem is RNC doters Figured it out that they were essentially backdoor peeing Trump's legal bills and they've shied away. That and they just can't stand Rana because she's just not getting the job done. Bottom line, at this point, we can't expect much of an on the ground campaign. Even worse, the way the Democrats beat us, despite their horrific economic performance, has been simple. They get the vote out with constant movement of cars, buses, volunteers, For early voting. They're very good at it. A lot of their vote ends up cast before election day. We don't have a comparable program there either. And we couldn't even begin to fund one now. If we wanted to. But how did Trump win in 2016 then? He had all those people going against him. Yes, he was an absolute master at using social media. Outperformed any other candidate. Including Barack Obama. Who'd ever tried it. Got hits and clicks. 10 times that what Hillary Clinton did. And if he could do that again, he might be okay, but he can't because of censorship. And so Trump is left having to do the one thing he's never been able to do well. He has to build a ground game with no money while he spends a lot of his days like he's spending it today in court. You see Trump on TV today. he's talking, but it's not about the economy or illegal immigration. He's making statements about his latest court case. Increasingly, as we get into the general election you know calendar, that's mostly what he'll be doing or talking about when he's allowed to talk at all on the camera. It looks like, folks, it's going to have to be individual congressional campaigns for themselves. Senate campaigns for themselves. They're not going to have any kind of grassroots on the ground or national support. It's a fragmented mess. And Democrats know it and they're acting like it.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.